Welcome to another episode of the Rachel Unpack Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Medina, serial entrepreneur based in sunny Southern California, here to help women just like you unpack their inner CEO. Whether you're a mommypreneur, Christianpreneur, or a working woman wanting to tap into the new and exciting she economy and all that it has to offer, wealth-minded business building women like you, you are in the right place. Every episode is dedicated to mindset, wealth, and the faith factor needed to build a successful business specifically from home. If you're new to my content and you want to tap into resources, workbooks, courses, masterminds, a community of like-minded women that can support you on your entrepreneurial journey, head on over to my website, rachelmedina.com and click any button you see that says she EO, and it'll take you right on over there. In the meantime, if you're not doing so already, please follow me on social media at rachelmedina101. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rachel Unpack Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Medina, and I am so honored and privileged to have an amazing woman on the show. Thanks to Miss Denine San Pedro on the team that you hear me talk about all the time. She's like, Rachel, watch this woman. She is doing so many amazing things, and her name is Emily Frisella. How do you pronounce that? Perfect. You got it right. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I am going to go right off of her Instagram bio. Let me tell you, this woman does so many things. She is the founder of the Paper and Plan Co., three-time published author, woman in business workshop founder, COO of Arate Syndicate. Arate, yeah. Arate, Arate Syndicate which you may know because Mr. Ed Milet talks about it all the time and your amazing husband, Andy. Listen, thank you so much for coming on. This episode is not only going to air on the Rachel Unpack podcast, but also on video inside of the CEO platform and members community. So if you're wanting to watch this episode and see how amazing Emily looks and sounds <laughs> and is, you can head on over to CEO and check it out. Emily? Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I was looking forward to this. So tell us, um, so I have a list of questions. I'm going to try to go right down the line so we could get a lot of value out of this interview. Um, I think the main thing we want to know about you is what is your think it and do it factor? I always say I'm really great at shortening the runway between having the idea and doing the thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what is it with all these things? What is it that is your process or is there a specific thing that you do that you go, I thought it, this feels right. I'm going to roll with it. Yeah. I think that all, you know, boils down to being decisive. I'm a hyper decisive person. When I decide I'm going to do something, I just do it there. I would love to say there's this like wonderful pattern of thought that goes into it, but that's not it. It's like, Hey, if I think like, you know what, we're going to do this. I immediately start on that. like right away. And if it's something that I need resources for my team, I send out a text message to all of them or an email and let them know like, Hey, we're going to do this. This is how we're going to market it. This is what we're going to do, blah, blah, blah. Give them the details on it. And then we meet the next day about it and we take action. And that's a lot of, I think what holds people up is that they think about the idea so much to the idea that it has an expiration date on it. So it's something that when you think of something like that, you want to create, that you want to do, that you want to put out there, no matter if it's actually like a physical item, a digital product, you have to take action immediately on that idea because I find that's when you're most passionate about it. And that's when you get the best product instead of sitting there and letting the idea kind of get watered down in your mind. It's just saying, I'm going to do it while I'm excited. And that's going to be, that's always been the best impact for me. And it's got the best results. I absolutely love that. I can stay on the same way. 
and the times that I've been too careful, I, it's been a mistake. I really have gotten to get comfortable with failing forward and not being afraid of running past home plate. And, and you're going to learn from all those mistakes as well. So there is a thing in corporate America, which I come from, which is like paralysis by analysis is what they call it. And if you overthink it, you are going to stall out. It's not that complicated. Just go, just go, just go. Yeah. And a lot of people, they wait to that perfect time. But the thing is, there's never going to be a perfect time. And I always relate this because I work a lot with women as you. And it's, I always think about it like, think about the saying, you know, they always say like, oh, you're not ready for kids until you have them. Same thing with an idea. Like you're never going to be ready for that. You just got to jump in and do it. And then you figure it out. You know, part of being an entrepreneur or entrepreneur is you jump and build the net on the way down. Yeah. Okay. So I love that you, I, I love everything. You guys are like, Rachel, you are loving everything about what you say. <laughs> so since I was very young, my mom used to say, how did you even get the courage to do that? I go, I just leap and I know a net's going to appear. And I don't know where I heard that from. I was like 18 years old. I'm like, I'm, I'm leaping and a net's going to appear. And it does, you guys, it literally does. You might get bumped and bruised and scraped along the way. Even all of that is working for your greater good. And it's going to contribute to the value of what you're doing. Um, so this is absolutely perfect. Um, okay. So the next thing I have for you is the money mindset. I know that when I, so when we built the and I, we built the first business, it was like a seven figure business. And I really struggled with that. You know, you grew up your whole life. I don't know about you. For me, it was like, oh, if I could just make, you know, a million dollars, I would do blah, blah, blah. And then you see those numbers. And for me, it was like, oh, I can't spend it. I can't do it. I can't. I don't know. Like, it's probably going to dry up. It's not real. Um, for you guys, what or for you, how has that been wrapping your mind around the money part of it? Yeah. So I think that was something I had to kind of break free of that mentality and get over the scarcity mindset because um, I grew up on a farm. My dad was a very successful entrepreneur, owned trucking companies and brokerage firms my entire life. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Um, we lived a very good life, but they always, they never spoiled us. They never let, you know, they let us know that like they had money. We did not, we had to work for it. <laughs> yeah. And I was always, it made me a very avid saver because I started working two jobs at 14. Cause I bought, I started my first business, bought my first house when I was 19 and uh, bought my first building and lot and property to start my first brick and mortar business when I was 20. Wow. And all that took a lot of savings and to get very, um, conscientious with my funds. And it made me, it gave me the best gift of being, sorry, my dog walked in here. So if you see oh, yeah. her she's rolling around or like snorts, she's a bulldog. So she's loud. Um, but, uh, I saw her walk in. I was like, Oh no. But, um, so it's getting, getting over that scarcity mindset because again, it's like, I always thought like, I can't spend my money. I have to save it. It's going to dry up. But then I found that actually when I thought that way, I was almost telling the universe or God, whatever, whatever you want to say, I was putting that vibration out there that if I spend it, it's going to be gone. And then that actually started happening. You know, I ran into my first business. I ran in, I talk about it in my latest book that was published, but it's like, I talk about that where it's like, I was running out of funds. I had some terrible financial situations going on that I had to get out of. It's when I broke free of that scarcity mentality and realizing the, like the cliche of it takes money to make money. Yes. I, when I kind of embrace that in a healthy way, you know, cause people will hear that and they're just thinking, Oh, I just got to buy all this inventory and the sales are going to yeah. come. That's not it. When I say it takes money to make money, that means investing in your resources, in your team, you know, it's putting into your company and to get the best out of it. Because for so long, I wanted it to be just me or maybe one other person, because I was like, I don't want to have that big payroll and blah, blah, blah. And it's when I branched out and in one of my companies that I own, because Andy and I collectively own and operate um, 11 different companies. And one of them, when I started to like grow that and expand my team into a much larger team, that's when I started making money and it was getting over that. So it's realizing 
there's smart ways to put your money out there. That's going to be, you know, better for you. And to put it the most simplistic way, if you are trying to have a scarcity mindset about money and you're trying to hoard it all for yourself and you don't want to spend it on a team or invest in like, maybe it's a VA or some sort of like contract employees, you're doing that. You're trying to run a whole company wearing 10 different hats and you can't put hundred percent into all of those hats. By you spending the money to grow a team, to you know hire more resources for you, you're able to, one, keep your sanity, focus on what you do best, and have everybody else do what they do best, which creates a better product, a better experience for your customer, and that word of mouth is what's going to bring those funds back to you. You know what, that, it's huge. I mean, I mentioned to you, Deneen, at the beginning of, you know, before we went on, um, I, when I launched the company, I lost my, launched my first company, I was doing everything myself, even though I came from a corporate environment, I was, I come from the magazine industry and I was running five magazines for the South African owners. And that was fine. It's like, I could do for others what I really couldn't wrap my head around that I was able to do for myself. Yeah. So what ended up happening is I did the business, I go in and then I'm thinking I have to do it all myself because I'm now doing it for myself, but doing it for yourself and by yourself are two completely very different things. And yes. she ended up reaching out because she saw a post of mine and she's like, Rachel, and then she worked with me before that magazine. And so she said, Rachel, why don't I, um, I have a baby, but why don't I just pay me whatever? Let's figure this out. And so I couldn't even wrap my head around that. I was like, I don't know, because now I have to stop and think about how to train her or the steps I have to put processes in place. And she was like, no, just tell me what the end goal is. And like, I will do the B2C. She goes, you're an A to, A to B person. I'll be the B2C. I'll put the processes in place. And let me tell you, that's why I say she's a godsend to me because even though, again, in, corp, in the corporate world, I could do all that. I could do all the things, so to speak. But when you think about it, no, I no, you can't. You have entire department heads. You know, you you know, you're at the top as a publisher. For me, it's like being the COO or CEO, and you have like your VPs and then your regional managers, and then you have so there's tiers to it, you guys. And so if you want to really expand, like Emily is saying, you gotta let go. It's the mm -hmm. let go and let God that you know everybody talks about, but you do got to be willing to let go and understand that the money factor is a flow. And if you just have it in your savings account, which I was doing, which is a disaster, any financial person will tell you, um, and or if you're just holding on and you're holding too tight, it becomes stale and stagnant. And so it has to flow. So yeah. something uh, else I want to add with that too, is that, you know, the harder you go, the faster you flow. So when you do start to put that out there, you, you, it, it creates almost like a competitive nature within yourself of like, okay, I'm spending this money. Well, I better work really hard to make it worth it. And you start doing that. And then what's happening is it's not just you making sure your money's well spent or that, you know, the investment is great. It's you putting in your best effort every single day, because when you're saying like, oh, it gets stale, it gets stagnant. If you just like sit on that, it does, because then what happens is you're more likely to slip into an, a place of complacency with that then because you're like, oh, well, if, if, if all you tell yourself is like, I want to make a million dollars and you make that, then what is there after that? Yeah. So it's continually like upping the game, chasing that, getting better, you know, figuring out what's, what's, what the next pivot is. I know that it, this time around, so for this business, um, that's what we're doing. So for this business, I've had to say, you know, I was a single mom before and all this kind of stuff. And it was scary to make the money. It was scary to not have money. And then it was scary to make the money because again, 
being super ultra conservative wasn't the healthiest thing for the business. It wasn't the healthiest thing for my family. And it wasn't the healthiest thing for my dreams of, of what I had in mind of what I wanted to do once I made the money. It took my mom to come in and say, hey, you're not even traveling. You're not seeing the world. You're not, you're at this level that most people will never reach in their life. What are you doing with that? And it was nothing. I was just working every day. And so I left sort of a dead end, not a dead end, but a really high pressure career that didn't give me any freedom to go, oh, okay, I'm going to make, I'm going to be my own boss, which that doesn't mean freedom. I created the same trap uh, that I had before. The only difference is it was all on me now. (laughs) And people think they think an entrepreneurship is like, oh, all this freedom. No, you you are the last person that runs your schedule. Everything else, like you just kind of pick up the pieces. Yes, it's absolutely crazy until you let go and you start to bring the people on and everything. And she had to come in, you know, my mom and say, travel, book it. Like here, give me the card. And she became like our travel agent. And then next, you know, she's like, next month we're going to Paris and you're going to be gone for 30 days. Let your team know. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? I can't do that. And, you know, by week three of being in Europe, I was like, oh, yes, I can. It's fine. It's fine. And if you set your company up right, you put the right people in place or you have the right people on the bus, as they say, you will then be able to experience some of those freedoms. You're always going to have that sort of the heavy as a head that wears a crown feeling, but ultimately you can be able to sort of enjoy, you know, the fruits of, of your labors if you get those people in place, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's something we're trying to, Andy and I are trying to uh, navigate as well, because just with like all the different moving parts and stuff we have, it's just, it's hard to get away. And we actually just took our first vacation in February in 10 and a half years. So uh, yeah, since our honeymoon, well, we've taken like business trips for speaking and stuff, but we're like, okay, we need to take like an actual, like real vacation. So yeah, it was 10 and a half years. And we went somewhere for, uh, six days, I guess it was. And it was finally by like the fifth day, we were like, okay, we can relax a little bit. And then we went home the next day. So like next time we need to go for like 10 or 15 days yes. to like be able yes. to fully like, so we're trying to like learn that as well, because you're right. It's like, it's always going to be there. There was no emergency that happened while we were mm-hmm. gone. Nothing like that. But it's like, as entrepreneurs, it's like we, this is our baby. You know what I mean? And you care so much about it and you want to be there. And there's so many, just like I said, moving parts, but we're, we're trying, I want, I want to get to that, that point where it's like, okay, we can leave and it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, I, it, it was hard. It was really rough. Yeah, it is um, hard. I, I found myself cause I would do my daily meetings and then we have like weekly meetings with certain team members. So I was doing them from my phone on like in front of like, uh, I forget what it was. It was like the church of Notre Dame in, in Paris when we first got there. And so I was like, Hey, good morning guys. Okay. So it's like 5 PM over there. It's 8 AM over here. And they're like, are we really still doing these meetings? And she's on vacation. So I was still trying to be that sort of workaholic, but in cool places. So I was like in front of monuments going, look guys. Okay. So let's get into the marketing. And then on the third time I did that, one of the ladies goes, so we all got together and I go, okay. And they're all, and we all decided we're not answering your call. (laughs) But that's good though. You could, that's the, that they care. They want you to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, just go away. We'll be fine. Um, so it's important to get to that point. Um, let's see. Okay. So we're back to balancing work life balance. That's the next thing balancing work life. So you though, in particular, because I'm certain, you know, you have a larger than life husband as well. Talk, let's talk about this. I've had this conversation with Elena. I am like, how, how do you do this? Like, just, I'm not even going to frame it. Let's just go. Yeah. Like, okay. what does that look like for you? Because you're building your own identity. Obviously you have your own value. You bring a lot to the table on your own, but I think when you have a larger than life spouse, it, there could be, it could be a little 
off or difficult. So can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually don't believe in balance. I think it's a blend and a bleed. It's finding out what works for you. Um, I don't like the, you know, blanket statements that people make of like, you have to have this work-life balance. Like there's a lot of times in growing a business that you don't have that opportunity to be like, okay, at six o'clock, phones are off. We're, we're, you know, family at that time. I mean, that's beautiful if you can make that work, but there's a lot of times in business that that's not doable. Yeah. Um, so that's why we just say it's like a blend of lead. So for us, you know, I'm the CEO of 44 seven media, which is our media company. So I run Andy's brand and you know, like through the podcast, 75 hard Otis and Charlie books, all that stuff. So I work with Andy as well. So, um, what, what we do is, is it's always worked out great. Um, we work together. I started working for him, I guess, seven or eight years ago. And the way we do it, it's, it's actually been uh, like beautiful how it's, you know, worked out for us is we only talk about work during work hours. So I work from home a lot of times and in my studio, I work there with my teams and then I'll go up to our, to headquarters, um, about once a day, I'll pop in, check with my teams there that I work with and just kind of get a, a scope on that. And I do like, you know, our weekly meetings and things like that. But what we do is like, if he is at work or he's gone from the house, that's when we'll call or text each other about what's going on work stuff. Or, or, you know, we I'll go up there and we'll have a meeting. But then when he gets home, we have a tradition. He comes home, he'll walk in, we get the dogs, we go down to his car garage. We hang out there for about an hour, talk, kind of talk about the day, what's going on, what we want to do, all that kind of stuff. And then I come up to the house and I start making dinner and then he'll come up, he'll finish any phone calls he has to do while I'm making dinner. And then we'll have dinner, we'll hang out and, you know, watch TV. And then, you know, I might, we might, you know, get a little bit of work done then as far as like just me with my own companies and him with his type thing, but that's how we make it work. And then, you know, we don't have children, so we don't necessarily do the like once a week date night because every yeah. night is kind of like a date yeah. night because it isn't just us, you know, yeah. and people like sometimes think that's weird, but it's like, it is just us. I mean, a lot of times I think the date night is amazing and necessary for parents, but for us, it's like, we have that. So like, you know, every night, so we'll go out, you know, out every once, every two weeks or something, but we're a lot of homebodies. Cause we really just go from here to the office and back home. Oh. But I just think it's finding what works best for you and your spouse. Um, because when we first started working together, we kind of had to navigate that. Like, what does that look like? Because I know how busy his days are. So I wouldn't want to necessarily like pile on him during the day. Cause he's trying to manage everything else. Well, then when he'd get home, I would ask him work stuff. And it's like, you know, he just wants to like take his armor off for the day and just kind of like be home and not, yeah, have to and about not that. think about that. Yeah. So then that's when we decided like, okay, when during working hours, that's when we talk about work at home, it's just us as a couple. So that's how we've made it work. I, you know, I think what's really interesting about that is that it's similar to how I was navigating the situation with, or the environment with my sons. So after my divorce, that's when I started, became an entrepreneur and did all that. And I had my two sons and it was this thing where I was like talking about work 24 seven and they were actually helping out in the business. And one of my sons finally said, mom, can we not talk about work? Like after, Aww. like after work. Yeah. And I go, well, it's never after work for me is the thing is how right. I felt like it's never after work. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I work from home. I built the business from home. It's oh, I'm home. You know what I mean? And so it got me thinking exactly in those lines. Um, and by the way, I, I go to like, look at my camera and at you, I'm just going to like say this in the middle of the interview and it's like making, I don't know if it looks like I'm looking at you or not, but then it's, yeah. 
Okay. You are. No, I was doing that too. Cause I was looking up at you and then it's like, wait, like, it's like, I never know on zoom. Like, cause you know what I mean? You see the preview. So yes. So it doesn't matter. If we look you. weird, we mean to look, you looking at each other, yeah. <laughs> the big camera, the little one. It's fine. I'm like, what is this? I have, I have the view where we're side by side, but it's like, make, it's just crazy. So yeah. Um, yeah. So with my sons, it was the same way, you know, it, um, I had to create so that line in the sand and not necessarily unplug because I don't think that there's a such thing as unplugging when you're an entrepreneur, especially if you're a high level entrepreneur and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So I had to draw the line in the sand. So I just did not talk about that. I could just be mom. And even though they were older boys and stuff like that, I could just be like, so what's going on with you? So what's, you know, and yeah. just be in that. And that really helped me out as well. And so whether you're a single mom listening to this and you're like, I don't know how to juggle it, you know, the kids, they will get sick of hearing it <laughs> at yeah. some point. And they sometimes just want mom. If you're married, you sometimes your husband's just going to want his wife, like for you to be yeah. in wife mode, whatever that looks like. Right. It yeah. doesn't mean you can't like sneak off and like respond to that email or. Yeah. But I think that also comes with honestly, just because when you are an entrepreneur and you're running your own business, you're passionate about it. So you care about it. And what do people talk about? They care about what they love. And so it's like, it's almost by default, we talk about our businesses, even though nothing's pressing, but it's like, oh yeah, I've got this new product launching and blah, blah. But it's like, it's, it's hard to define like, yes, that's technically work, but it's also me just expressing how excited I am for something. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's just, you're passionate. So that's what you're going to exude, you know? I know. And that's the importance too, of having um, some good friends around you. I have a, a, a little tiny, teeny, tiny, little tight little group. And they're also entrepreneurial women. And uh, so we're able to be like, blah, blah, blah. We call them our TED Talks. We do these little voice memos <laughs> back and forth um, because we know that we don't always have people in our sphere that are excited, as excited as we are. And we don't want to exhaust people around us. So we kind of go to each other to be like, oh my God, can you believe I'm having Emily on? And then it's like, no way. Yeah. And it's like a little cheering squad. And then I can be really calm and cool and be like, yeah. Okay, it's just a normal, it's a normal, you know, but I think that's important for everybody to have that because not only just because it's people that you can literally talk about business all the time to, and they don't get sick of it, but it's also great to be able to bounce ideas off of them and stuff because they're in the game. They understand it. And so they might have, I always look at it like a relationship. You know, we've all been in some crappy relationship in our life and your friends are like, oh no, he's, he's trash. He's a dirtbag. (laughs) You're like, no, I love him. And then you break up and then you, you see it from the outside in you're like, Ew, they were right. What was I thinking? That's the same thing when we go to our friends with business ideas or whatever else is like, you may not see all the components of it, but since they're in the game as well, they'll be like, well, what about this? Well, how, what's your acquisition going to be on that? You know, they'll be able to point these things out to you that you, maybe you haven't thought of. So I think that is so key is just to have, and what you said is it's that tight, little teeny, tiny circle, teeny, tiny, because when you make, when you ask 10 people, that's too many, you know, I, I, I have three really good, solid yep. friends to talk to just about every day. And they're the people that I bounce ideas off of, or if I didn't have to test a shipping on a certain product that I'm not sure how it's going to ship, I'll be like, Hey, I'm sending you this, send me pictures when you get it. And it works out great because they're actually all over the country. So I can see how far the distance is like, hey, my friend in California got this and it looks like crap, but a friend in Texas got it. It didn't look so bad. You know what I mean? So I can actually like edit the way I do things with them. I mean, that's exactly right. And and I, again, I, same thing every day. It's these little wins or little hangups. And even if we're not in full blown conversation, even in voice memoing back and forth, it's, hey, I got a guy. Oh, really? Here, call this girl. I met her last week at lunch or whatever. And so even just that, and then, you know, it's really private and, you know, it's not really out there for everybody. And you're right. If you have too many people, and I talk about this all the time on the Rachel Impact podcast, it's like, you got to get really great at trusting your instincts and you got to get really great at trusting your decision-making process and not going to your mother, your father, your neighbor, your mom, you know, your sister 
to go, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Because if they're not on the journey that you're on, if they're not business builders, if they're not, they cannot even have the, 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 the vantage point to give you the good advice. And if anything, I saw a video of a woman who was launching a pharmaceutical product. It was brilliant. And, uh, she said she was at a dinner and I think it was with family or somebody. And they said, so what are you doing? And she explains all excited, right? What she's doing. And they said, oh, that'll never work. You know, there's so much competition. And then that product, blah, 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 blah. And that she looked at the, and this person does not come from at all, is not even in the sphere of that business at all. And she looked at them and said, oh, is that what happened when you launched your pharmaceutical brand? And like, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You can't listen to the peanut gallery on that when people don't have any idea what's going on, because it's not just because those people look at it from a you know, a purchasing standpoint, or like you said, like, oh, well, there's a lot, that's a lot of competition. They don't understand all the ins and out of marketing and, you know, the, the different ways to capture audiences and to, you know, get those, that acquisition from these people. And that's what thing is like, don't listen to those people. They don't have any experience. You know, if, if you're in a business, you need to talk to people that have actually business experience that are on the same level as you or above you yes. to get, you know, get, get some advice from don't, I... don't any, any stock in anything anybody else says. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Okay, let's yeah. talk about the faith factor. You talked about the flow of energy and, you know, sort of blocking, you know, your blessings, so to speak. Um, what is your faith factor? You don't got to tell me your religion or something like that, but what are, what are some of the practices that you use every day, whether it's self-talk, maybe it's soft music, do you meditate, do you pray? Like, what is your thing? Well, you do know I'm an ordained minister, don't you? So I did not. <laughs> I actually am. It's funny. Yeah. Somebody actually, this couple, I did a, I was speaking at an event in Ohio about five years ago and they both owned my cookbook and I was there speaking about health and nutrition. And I had my cookbook for sale there. And this couple met over my cookbook and they started dating. And then they got engaged last year and asked me to um, marry them. And because, and yeah, and then they met over my cookbook. So I flew to Ohio and married them last August. Oh. I got ordained just for them. <laughs> but as far as, you know, what is the faith factor with that? So, you know, I am a big, big believer in, you know, there is the higher power that God is out there looking down on us. And I also believe in the universe. I believe all of that. And, you know, I've seen too many things in my life to deny that there is yes. a higher power. And so every single night I always, you know, I always pray. I say the same, I say different prayers, but I always say, well, the one thing I always say is, and dear God, thank you for all you've given me today. If I wake up tomorrow with nothing more than I was given today, I will be grateful. That's how I sign. That's how, like what I say at the end of every single prayer. And then I always, I practice gratitude every day. So every day when I wake up, I, I, I like slow mornings. I like to get up and kind of take my time getting ready and like, you know, get in my inbox and kind of work through that. And I always write down three things I'm grateful for every single day, because it's really hard to be in a bad mood yep. whenever you are grateful. So I always practice gratitude with that. Um, I do, you know, ask for like, you know, I don't ask for things, but I ask for like signs or like, Hey, just give me some direction or let me, let me hear from someone I haven't heard from today in a long time. And you know what I mean? So I'll ask for like little signs and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I am a big believer in that. I think that, you know, there's, there's too much in everyone's life to deny that there is something greater out there. Absolutely. I am um, a Christian by way of Catholicism. And every time I tell people that they go, well, not everyone can be perfect. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I will say to you, I started doing a thing recently where I say I have coffee with God. 
And it, I started doing it at the very beginning of the year. And I prayed, I've always been a prayer warrior, you can say. And, um, but I really started getting outside. I live in a really beautiful sort of area where there's like mountain views and birds and everything. And yet I'm always, you know, in here working and stuff. And so I just said, start, your, you're going to have coffee anyways, whether you're going to be a friend for coffee, you're going to have coffee on the go or whatever. Why not have it with God? So I make my coffee and I go outside actually to the front because it's a better view. And I just sit there and the birds come and it's so beautiful. And then I sip my coffee and I am praying. I'm having a conversation with God about all kinds of things. And I just kind of imagine um, that, you know, he's sitting right next to me and, you know, I kind of offload. Sometimes I'm crying. Sometimes the neighbors must be like, wow, she's at it again. Um, but sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just peaceful. Sometimes yeah. I have nothing to say and I'm still sitting there and I'm like, I'm sitting with him. I'm still spending time. Yeah. And I have nothing to say or think, but I always um, have mentioned that I make God, my silent business partner, uh, my counselor, because there are so many things where I don't know which direction to go in. I don't know if I'm going in the right way. Like you said, looking for the signs. And so I take that time to go, God, you know, my need, but here's, here's what I think my need is currently, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I know that I trust that you'll solve it, but show me, bring the people that, you yeah. know, can get this done, you know? And so I have these conversations with him, but I have it over coffee in the morning. Outside. No, but I, I love it. And I think it's important too, because that's, you know, I will do that. I have a little reading nook over here in my office and I'll sit there and I'll do that too. It's like, I'll just sit there and pray. It's like, and even like you said, you may not have anything to say, but if you just get outside and you look outside, it shows you how great, you know, our lives really are and how much there is to appreciate in mother nature and what we've been gifted. And that alone, it puts you in a state of gratitude. Yes. And you said something early, earlier too, about the gratitude. Um, when I raised my boys, you know, I would, I would say to them, Hey, you know, sadness and, um, you know, gratitude and sadness can't live together. I mean, I get depression can be clinical and all this kind of stuff, but like sadness, and all, it's normal to be sad, but you know, if those two don't live together, you can't be, you know, upset and complaining about everything. And also like grateful, like if you just can lean into gratitude, it solves so many things and Absolutely. you can sit there and, and I've had to tell women sometimes, you know, Hey, life is heavy. There's a lot going on. If all you do is give grateful that you have shampoo to wash your hair with, there's women out there living somewhere that they had to cut their hair. They can't even afford shampoo. When I first got married, I couldn't afford shampoo and I had to cut my hair. Like there's so many things that we have to be grateful for. And yeah. so the fact that you have running water, electricity, sometimes you got to take it all the way down to that. Sometimes you got to, yeah. life is so hard sometimes. And you just have so much to complain about that. You got to take it all the way down to I'm here today. I woke up. I have yeah. clothes on my back. I have food on the table for my family. I, you know, whatever you got to take, I have electricity, whatever it may be. You got to take it sometimes down to those little grains of gratitude in order to pull you up. Those little tiny grains will pull you up and out of whatever yeah. that storm is that you're sitting in. Yeah. And that's true because, you know, I think that is what you just said is so key and very important to remember right now in the social media era where we see all the highlights and everybody's just flashing everything and showing things and people, it's easy for them to slide down this slippery slope of like, well, I don't have this material item, let's say, or I don't have this or that, or I don't have this big house. Or I don't have that. You know, that's that, that is not something that you need to get down about. It's like, it's, I think it comes from a place of 
you know what I can appreciate because here's the thing is like when you are jealous of other people's success, oh. you're also putting out in the universe, like, you know what? I don't want success because look at these people. I don't like them. So you're telling the universe, like, I don't appreciate that. So I don't want it. What we need to do is flip the script on that and say, you know what? That's a beautiful home or that's a beautiful this and that, that these people have. I love that. And then use that as inspiration to work harder while being grateful for where you're at in your life. Like some of the crappiest times in my life, I look back on now. I'm like, I am so grateful that happened. Not just because the lesson I learned, but it showed me really, frankly, how terrible things could be. And it makes me so much more grateful for my life now and grateful for the lessons I learned from from that. So it's really just a mindset shift on that. It's like the, you got to kiss a few toes to, to identify the prince, prince. right? Yeah. Um, Because if you end up with that really great guy in the beginning, you don't really know that he's a really great guy, Um, you know, and that's how it is just in life and in general being able to, yeah, go through the hard times. I've been through severe loss. You know, I lost my son. He was 25 years old. There's been so many things after my divorce that I would have never imagined that I could survive it. And it, I, till this day, I can't comprehend how I get up every day in a good mood and, and do what I have to do for others and showing up. And I speak publicly, I go on stages and I speak to women and I do it. And sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I just want to, I just don't feel like it, but I do it anyways. And, and let me tell you, I have to, I every day have to lean into find things that I'm grateful for, because if I focus on what I don't have, I am going to lose myself. And, and when people ask me, how in the world are you able to do all that you've done with the loss? And I go, well, I had a choice to make. And here's, here's what that looks like. I could have, I could sit here every day and be pissed about the time I don't get with him. I could sit there and go, Oh my God, I didn't get to go to his wedding. I didn't get to meet his kids. I didn't get to, I could sit here and make a huge list. Okay. Of 800 page book of all the things that I resent that I know that were taken away from me. However, I choose to shift it and give immense gratitude and thanks to God for the 25 years that I got with him. And then I just go over those 25 years. Sometimes, sometimes I sit there and I go, Oh my God, I love, I miss, you know, little boy him. And then, you know, I don't miss teenage him. Hey, listen, (laughs) that that was, that was, we're not going to talk about that, but little boy him, you know, baby him, little boy him. And then like, obviously adult him, but I will tell you, I've had to just that simple shift, because if I didn't make that shift in my mind quickly, I had to do it very quickly. Um, then I would be in a state that would make my other son feel like he lost his brother and his mother. And it is not easy, but it is worth it. And so when I go and I speak and everything, sometimes I don't feel like it. And I just go, you know what, I'm going to put it on. And it's not fake it to make it. It is truly just recognizing God has given me this opportunity to be in front of these women and tell my story because I never know how my process of being able to cope or turn my pain into purpose is going to shift one of these women's lives and, Mm -hmm. and snap them out of it to go, I still got work to do here. I still have a purpose here and I can keep going. So I love that we're talking about this gratitude thing in the faith factor, because I don't always bring it up in the interview. So it was meant yeah. to be to talk. No. About. And I think that's important what you said, um, you know, about, you know, shifting that perspective when you go on stage and things like that is because when you are shifting from, you know, if you're having a down day, you don't feel like that. And then you got to go jump on stage and do this. The thing is, it's shifting that mindset to be, you know what, I've got to 
put on, put this face together and, you know, get my act together because I want you to go help people that may be experiencing the same thing that I am right now. And that's where I think that what you just said is brilliant. It's like, you know, it's just shifting that and being realizing like what is actually needed of you. And those people are in need of you at that time. Yes. So many people will sit there and say, gosh, you know, I want to be used for good things and I want to inspire people. And I say, be careful for Mm -hmm. what you wish for, because you are not an inspiration. If you were born in a perfect family and had a perfect childhood and had a perfect marriage and had a perfect life, like that does not inspire people. You know, what inspires people, the struggle it's, it's those TKOs, like getting knocked down and then the story of getting back up and then the story of staying up, but that you can't inspire people if you were never down. No. And that's the thing is, I think that's also something I get kind of frankly, just fed up with on socials, these like perfectly curated lives, these perfect, I don't have bad days. And, oh, this is so great. And this, who are, who are you helping with that? Because that comes across just like you're bragging. Whereas like, you know what? Hey, I may be, you may see this part of me now, but here's where I was before. And this is the steps that I took to bridge this gap from who I was to who I am now. You know, I was just X, Y, Z person. And now I'm this. So it's, it's important to have that. And, you know, I spoke to my old high school um, last week to 14 and 18 year olds. And I was telling, I was really excited. It was actually one of the like, most excited speaking experiences I had, because like, I got to talk to not just at my hometown, at my high school, but I got to talk to the age category that needs to hear this the most, because when I speak to people, it's usually 30 to 60 year olds at their you know companies or, you know, events, whatever it might be. And, you know, the thing that those kids that I heard from them after it, and then also I had a few parents reach out to me on socials are like, I loved hearing that because those kids needed to hear that you did this coming from where they're at right now. And that's the same thing as the way it is on social. So it's like, I feel like we have to make sure that, you know, I hate the word authentic and transparent because because it's so overused right now, Right, right. but we need to make sure that we share the struggles or what we went through, not word vomit and get hyper emotional and just like overshare, but let people know where you were and where you're at, because that's what inspires people. That's what makes people say, how did you do that? Can you help me more with this? This is where I'm at now. Yeah. And I love that you went back to your high school because I have thought about, oh my gosh, you know, teenage me, um, we created a journal and, and I know that you create some stuff as well. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but we created a journal and we created the, the work, like uh, the intentions workbook, but there's one little journey. It's just a no, no content, low content journal, but we called it dear me. And um, the idea came from the movie Interstellar where he's Matthew McConaughey is kind of, kind of going back and trying to prevent himself from going out into space. If you've ever seen it, it's kind of complicated, pretty amazing. But I thought to myself, what if you could write a letter, just a little journal entry to your past self to sit there and say, hey, you 16 year old and scared because everything's in it. I'm here to tell you from the future, it worked out just fine. And then what does that instantly do energetically to like heal you? Right. And then you could then write a letter. And then on some of the left side, it's it's to your past self. And then on the right side, it's now that you have resolved that. And now that you're, you killed that and you know that, how do you click forward? And what is the, what is future you now able to do because you've healed that. So, um, so getting into that really quick, tell us about your, your products, tell us about your journals and the things that you create. Yeah. So I've always loved stationary office supplies, planners, all that stuff. So, um, a couple of years ago, I guess it was 2018, I launched my first planner through my fit home and health company. 
and um, which was like a lifestyle life hack type of company. And uh, so I was like, I'm going to try this and see if people like it. Cause a lot of people, you know, I'm not a technology person. I don't like digital anything. I am still the person I will print off a million pieces of paper just to have a tangible physical thing. Um, and so I was just like, I want to try these, make a planner, see how they go. So I made a planner and launched them and they were, they just sold out like immediately. It was a wonderful. And I was like, okay, now that was my test run before I actually launched the paper and plan company. So I did that for, I did that for two years while I was building the paper and plan co on the back end. And then in 2020, I launched, which was so crazy to think about now, because here I'm selling planners during a lockdown when people can't go anywhere. Like, what are they going to write in their planner? Like stay home, walk yeah. to the fridge, stay <laughs> home again. You know what I mean? They're like, what are they going to do? And, um, so I started that company and then I hired my sister who I wanted to work with me forever. Um, she worked in the law community for family and family law for 16 years. So I finally hired her away and she started working for me and, um, we do high, we do a very high and we, we always say like, we're not the cheapest, but I will argue that we are the best. Cause I, I can deal with people saying, I don't, your, your products are too expensive for me. I could never have someone say your products suck. I don't want yeah. them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And because we use very high quality paper, we use, you know, it's, it's, we print them, you know, we print things as locally as possible here in St. Louis or in the U S or, you know, I mean, sometimes we do have to do imported items just because there's not manufacturers in the U S yeah. that could do the things that we do. Um, so we launch paper, we do, um, planners, pens, we do like notebooks, office supplies, um, like journals, greeting cards, um, like die cut inspirational, like quote stickers. We have a little bit of everything. It's just really kind of like whatever I think is going to be fun. Like we have washi tape coming out. We do like, we. I found the manufacturer that manufactures Stanley tumblers. So mm -hmm. I got in there and we did some Stanley tumblers, but we call them plan leads because it's like planner. Yeah. Um, and so we do, you know, we sell those things. Just, we just like to keep it fun, like to keep it interesting. It just, it's a great work environment. I have an all women um, operated team oh, and they're just fantastic. And it's really, one thing I'm really the most proud of about paper and plan company it's not just the products we create, because obviously every entrepreneur is going to love the products that yeah, they make. Yeah. But I love to create an environment for these women because a lot of them are moms and I have the work hours from nine to three. They can come in after they drop their kids off at school. They leave at three to go pick their kids up from school. They're able to come in and in six, you don't need an eight hour work day. They work six yeah. hours. They take a 30, 45 minute lunch. They have immense flexibility, but they all get all their work done and exceed expectations every single day. And I love that because I want to create an environment for them that it's, I feel like it's my obligation as a business owner to create an environment and a workplace that they feel great. And they want to come into every single day. And that's what we've created. And that's one thing that I just like, I just have so much pride for that. And the women that work for me, they're just absolutely fantastic. You know what the CEO, um, platform and the project came of that, that same desire. It was, we built the first company in 2015. Everybody was working from home. We did something that most people weren't doing, which is building a magazine media, multimedia company from home though. Every magazine was always about the clout and you know, what yes. in the high rise you're in. And I wanted to, I'm in Southern California. I wanted to break up with the freeway. I wanted to break up with the planes, the trains, the automobiles. I just was <laughs> done. And I was like, I wonder if I could do this from home and still feel legitimate doing it from home. That was number one. And number two, would anybody come and want to work from home? How, what does that look like? Because we did it in 2015. And so by the time COVID hit, we were like, oh, everyone's joining our world. Um, and it was new to everybody else. But to us, we had been doing it. And so one of the beautiful things that came out of the Rachel Impact podcast taken off at that time really big 
Two was women saying, I want to learn how to work from home. I feel like I don't know how to focus. So being able to hand women these tools and structure to structure their time and give them the tips that I was able to use that Deneen uses that everybody on our team uses is turning into such a beautiful movement with CEO because now they know what's possible. COVID really, the, the pandemic really helped them expand their mind with the zoom and the tools and the fact that you Uh can do this from home. Now we're saying you've been doing it for other people. Let's talk about how you could do it for yourself, right? Start a side hustle or, or a business or whatever it may be. And so being able to work with moms is an amazing thing. My, obviously I have an adult son now. I don't have littles running around. Um, but so many of the moms that we've worked with do have littles running around. Deneen still has littles running around. So she's able to speak to that and to go, it's okay, but don't stop this amazing project you're working on because the dryer beat, like yep. make sure that you have your time block set up and give, you know, respect to that schedule. So you creating planners, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important thing to time block and to structure your days out. And I always say, like writing your target run, put the dog walks in there, put the target what you run in there, put your gym time in there, like put it all in there because you're right. You don't need to work eight, nine, 10, 12 hours to be effective. You just need super high output time blocks. And if yes. you do that, you're going to win all day long. And I find that work at home moms are really, once they get this down, they're amazing. And that's the thing. It's like taking time on it. Uh, so something I use, I don't, do you ever see, have you ever seen a time, time cube or do you use a time? No, cube? I don't know. So I'll show you mine. So I use this all the time and it's, it's truly doing what you're saying is I keep it in my desk and I time block out my days. It's like, and even though I don't have children, but it's the same thing. Like if I'm working here or in my studio, then it's easy for me to run back and forth because my studio is on our property still. And so I will run into the house and like, Oh, I got to switch the laundry out. Cause blah, you know, cause I, I still am, even though, you know, I run these companies, I'm still very much. So a homemaker, I like cooking dinner every night. I, you know, doing the laundry and things like that. And like, we were blessed with a house manager that comes over three days a week. And she just like, is like a second me, you know what I mean? She helps out with the dogs and the cleaning and all that stuff. So like, I can't sit here and say like, I do it all. And it's great. It's yeah. not like you do have to have help. And that's the thing. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Cause I was for so long, but it's been the best, best thing ever. And she's just a great friend. Um, and I always, that's one thing I had a struggle with when I started working from home, because when I sold my first company, I started working for a friend and I worked there for six years or so. And then I quit there to finish writing my first cookbook and really focus on that. Cause I was only able to do it on the weekends or at nights. And it was going to take me probably 10 years to get this thing done, yeah. but having time. And it was a very big adjustment to learn how to be an entrepreneur, but from home, because when I was an entrepreneur in my early years, I was actually in a building all day, not at home. So I found this time cube. And so if you're watching this, you'll see this, but so what it does is like, if you want to do, if you block out your time, okay, I'm going to do 30 minutes of email in the morning. And that's what you put on your planner. So you turn this on and you put the 30 up oh. and you'll see it's a countdown on here. And it'll show you how much time you have left, like 29 minutes, 27 seconds. And then when it's done, it'll go boop, boop, like a little alarm and beep. And then you just set this. And this is great too. If you do have littles at home for iPad time or, Hey, let's see how fast we can clean the house in five or how clean we get the house in five minutes. And you set it, make it a game. And this actually is silly as it sounds, you know, humans are competitive and I compete with this thing to make sure I get all my stuff done. Because again, it's like, if I got up every time there was someone ringing the doorbell or yes. the dryer going off, or like, I need to let the dogs out. I would be so ineffective in my days. So doing this, blocking it out, planning, like you said, planning when I'm going to go to Target. I still, I plan my workouts. I plan when I need to run errands. I plan all that stuff. 
And if people think that's like almost excessive, but when you're operating from a state of getting things done, there is no other option. It's the way that you can go to bed every night and feel like, you know what? I achieved a lot today. I, I'm accomplished. I was effective because busy is not a badge of honor. It's let's be effective and productive. Yes. Some of the most successful people that I've ever had the pleasure of meeting throughout my career do not work a ton of hours and they don't work hard. You know, that's the whole thing. So you got to work hard. It's like, no, they work smarter and they're better with their money management skills. They're better with managing their time. And I always try to remind myself when I sit there and I listen to women talk about, oh my God, I don't know if I could start my business because I have so much going on and they're like a housewife or they have a day job or whatever. I say, just remember Warren Buffett owns like, I don't know how many companies. So when you think about these people that own so many companies and they have the same 24 hours that we have, and they're just better at managing their money for every dollar they make, they know what to do with that dollar. And they're really great with managing their time. And so we really lean in on that conversation because it was something that I had to learn working from home. Because when you're in the corporate environment, it's easy, the structure, everybody's kind of in flow. But when it's just you sitting there, the accountability can be really tough. It's so, so hard. And it it is. And I would love to say that, oh, I've got this down, which, you know, like I... I audit, always audit my week. Did, was it a winning week or was it a losing week? And I do that because I've always had the top five priorities. Andy's always done the power list. Like, it's funny because even before we knew each other, we met 17 years ago, he had this power list and I had my top five. And as long as we get those things done, we're great. And it's it's a list of five things I put in my planner every day that I have to get done. It could be, you know, a reaching out to someone else. It's doing book edits for the next book. It's like, whatever it is, I make sure that's accounted for. And then after that's done, my work day is pretty much over. Some days I can be done with my day in two hours. Some days it may be a 10 hour day to get those, those done, but that's, it's what frees me. What makes me feel good. It's like, it gives me that freedom to know like, okay, well, you know what? On Tuesday, I'm going to be able to knock those things out in the afternoon. I can take a really long walk or I can, you know, I'll, I'll call a girlfriend and we'll chit chat or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's really just about, you know, like you said, managing your time, managing your money. And when you manage your money, that's when you can start building really good teams in place. If you do need that, or if you are a solopreneur, that's when you can hire a virtual assistant, if you need to, to help alleviate some of those things for you at a pretty, you know, insignificant cost. And, you know, you can get a VA for three hours a week. That's what I started with when I thought I needed someone, I hired someone for three hours a week and that was it. And she helped me tremendously because me paying her three hours a week to do things that I didn't know how to do. That was the thing. It took her three hours a week to do. It would have taken me probably honestly yeah. 10 to 12 hours that week to do because I was not skilled in what I had hired her to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes complete, that makes complete sense. Tell us about, um, Arate. Am I pronouncing it right? Arate. You got it. Yeah. All right. So, so Arate is a Greek. It. Yeah. It's a Greek word that means excellence. And Andy and Ed had met um, years ago and we were at an event and we were backstage. They're both speaking and uh, we were chit-chatting about it. And then we had a phone call later on that week and we were like, let's start an entrepreneur group that's high level instructions, very tactical, that is really going to help people and to help change the world. Because we are not a frou-frou, rah-rah like type of group. It's like every single week, there's a super tactical call on what you can learn. And we have, you know, we like to have themes with it. So it's like, you can learn so much, no matter what level of business that you're at. And then we do live events with several thousand people, or we'll do small summits, which will be maybe a hundred to 150 people. And then we bring in some really great speakers. Maybe, you know, it's like either 
you know, high level, like entrepreneurs and business owners, or maybe they were a, you know, celebrity or athlete. And we tie in like the lessons that they learned in that and things like that. So it's just been an amazing community because everybody in there is just like the networking is insane. Like the amount of businesses that have started, the amount of people that like, if you get in our Facebook group, we have a private Facebook group and be like, Hey, I need somebody that can do blah, blah. Immediately there's 25 suggestions and referrals. And it's just like, it is the power is in the network with that. And Andy and Ed just do such a great job leading our members through this to like get through the, I mean, a biggest thing was like through, through COVID getting everybody through COVID of like, here's what you can do financially. Here's what you can do in your business. Here's how you keep your team on and not lay people off during this time. Here's some financial advice for this. And it just really to, to help people give them the tools to help them create a better life. Because let's be real when you are a business owner and you have employees, you're not worried about yourself anymore. You're worried about your employees. You're worried about how many employees do I have? Now I am responsible for feeding 15,000 mouths every week and their families and making sure their kids have clothes and food on the table. It adds a different type of pressure. And it's getting these people like that are members, like getting them to like that point of like, it's going to be okay. Here's what I need to do. So Arte is just, it's, it's so powerful. It's amazing community. It's just great high quality individuals. And just, I just, yeah, we have a call tonight. I'm so excited for it. I I love them every Wednesday. (laughs) So is there anything else that you're working on that you want to share with the team or with the team? Um, Not at this, no, nothing I can really share yet, but yeah, there's always something brewing. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like it. What are three things that you wish you know, you knew before you became an entrepreneur? Oh my gosh. I wish, um, okay. So I kind of have a different approach to this because my dad was not an entrepreneur. Like I shared earlier, I saw the hours and the time that it took for an entrepreneur to put in and like what you, what the, uh, fruits of your labors labor would get you. So I wish one, I would have dropped my ego. Um, when I first became a business owner, because I was 20 years old, had a beautiful facility, you know, I had like luxury, it was a luxury gift boutique, flower shop, tuxedo rentals, wedding rentals, and wedding planning. And I had a very big ego because at 20, I thought like all my friends were going to college and stuff. I got my associate's degree. I went to school for one year, six days a week. And I was like, I hated school. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this thing. So I started a business and I I thought that it would just be my DNA because my dad was successful. And I was like, oh, I got this. And I, my ego would not let me ask for help or ask for questions. And that's why I referenced her. Like I got myself into financial situations because I didn't know anything about business really. You know what I mean? Um, so I wish I would have learned to humble myself to ask for help. Um, I wish I would have found a stronger friend group earlier on that were aligned with my goals and actions, because I feel had I not felt some sort of strange, false loyalty, just because I grew up with people my whole life that I had to be friends with in my whole life, um, which don't get me wrong. I'm still friends with them. They're great people, but we're on different paths in life. So I wish I would have, um, made that jump a little bit more and kind of distance myself from relationships that weren't serving me and, you know, started to invest and go to more events and community events where I could find people that aligned with my goals and visions. Um, and then third, I think it's really just, um, you know, looking if you're single and you're dating, it's looking for those red flags of people that aren't going to support your dreams, because that can be the absolute thorn in your side and ruin your company before it even gets going. Um, and I sold my first company because of a bad relationship. I was like, fine, I'll just sell it. Cause I, I quote work too much. And it's just something now I look back and it wasn't a blessing because then I, you know, I, we broke up and then I met my husband a year or so later. Um, but it's one of those things where it's really just like auditing your circle, I think is all around, like humbling your mind, auditing your circle and realizing what's good for you. 
and maybe a little fourth one is go heavy on personal development. Stop reading. And I love to read. I have a book club, as you know, but it's like, <laughs> stop reading all these 50 shades of BS no. type of books, read books that are going to advance you. If you read a book and you get one little bitty sliver of a nugget of information, that book was worth it. So really put time into your personal development. Oh my gosh. I have heard from so many women that are married. Um, I co-host another show called you deserve fresh lettuce with my friend Delia. Um, it's a real, it's a marriage divorce show, but one of the things that I was saying over there is in coaching women and in, in hearing these one-on-one stories and, and even the messages in my DM, what I notice when women finally make the decision to go all in and start a business and everything, and they are really motivated and driven by doing this, not for themselves, almost all of them say for my family, I want to be more present as a wife. I want to be more present as a mom. I want to, you know, walk the dog, you know, at noon, if that's what I want to do. And so they get very motivated in the beginning. And then once they start, if there's traction, if there's real movement, I start to notice that all of a sudden it's, oh, I know I, we were supposed to do this, but I can't do that now because my husband said we needed da, 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 da. And the pattern that I notice is that the husbands, I don't know if they become insecure. Some of them, they start to go, well, what is this? Oh, wait a minute. I thought it was like a hobby. Now it's turning into something else. Um, and these mounting sort of, energies or pressure starts. And I've seen very beautiful fit women, women that are so focused, the light starts to go like this and yep. they start to put, put like, it all starts to go to the back seat and they start missing the calls. Cause we have like some accountability stuff. And I just go, what is this? And, and I look back to my marriage and my career took off really fast. And it was a thing where I wasn't to talk about it. I could tell it's like, don't talk about it. Oh, you met this really famous person today. Don't talk about yeah. it. Like, just be like, how was your day, babe? And, but yeah, because and you, it's hard. Oh, go yeah. ahead. No, I was saying, you see their passion dim into you're now, instead of you wearing your passion, you're wearing guilt because you are, you're, and I think it is an insecurity thing. Like that's what I've always like gotten so upset about with is why would you, whether husband or wife, it doesn't matter, but why would one significant other get upset with the other for working so hard to build a life that they are a part of? It does not make sense. Like I am working. So that way we can have this, we can do this. We can do this. Our kids can have this. That's the point of it. So why it, it I think it is complete insecurity because they're like, wait, you're shining a little too bright now. Can you dim it down? And then pretty soon they just, it just, they just fizzle out. And it's so sad to see because how many great ideas or great businesses were launched and quickly put out because of that. Uh, you're absolutely right. So I, I mean, I will tell you one of the things that I'm currently facing is with my old business, it's still in business. It's still doing its thing. And I love this business, this other business I'm doing. And even in that, it's not a marriage, it's not a relationship, it, it, so to speak, but it is a baby that I'm like, I've outgrown that. I feel like it served its purpose in my life and I'm ready to break up with it and to give myself permission to make an exit or, you know, let it ride on autopilot in its own way and then move over here and go all in. And so even that guilt factor um, doesn't just happen with your kids or with your partner. It can happen with a business that you built originally that you have a little claim to fame and everybody maybe knows you for that. And then now you're like, well, I don't want to, you know, decorate homes anymore. I want to actually be a content creator. And then it's like, what? Right. Yeah. So you it's can get that guilt too. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say that when you're saying that I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Because when I launched my, so my first two books were healthy living cookbooks. My third book is a leadership book. So when I had my cookbooks, I started my whole entire business online of clean, healthy, easy to make recipes. And that's how I started the whole thing back in 2015. And by posting on Facebook and, you know, I started posting on Instagram, whenever that came about, you know, years later, but I built my whole following through Facebook. And then I did it through Snapchat. And I did this thing called Snaptorials where every single day for 14 months straight, I posted a new recipe that people could follow, screenshot it, make the recipes, all of this stuff. And then as I got more into, you know, other businesses that we have and wanting to do the paper and plan company, things like that, my whole, you know, me being quote, chef Emily kind of went to the wayside. Cause I had like menus at five different restaurants here in town. Like it was great. It was so much fun. And I still love to cook, but I outgrew it where I was cooking for quote show. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, I, that, that just wasn't my passion anymore. I had done it that kind of like lived its life. And I did feel a sense of guilt of like, well, are, what are people going to think if I just abandoned this? Or what are people going to think if this, but then I had to realize I don't like it. The people online, you know, yes, they, they, you know, they support me, they buy my cookbooks and things like that. But a lot of people, you know, follow you and they don't ever support you. They just follow you for something to like yeah. and share or whatever. And I was like, I need to do this for me. So I kind of transitioned out of that and I still sell my cookbooks and things like that. But it was something where I went all in on more of the personal development, leadership content, started the paper and plan company, working with RJ Syndicate, working with our media agency, all of that. So it's like, it's okay to have a quote rebirth through your career. And that's why I always say I'm a multi-passion entrepreneur because I don't like the word serial entrepreneur because I think that's a bad, it's, that means you tried it and you failed it. You know, most of the time it's like, I like to say multi-passionate because I do like to do a lot of different things, but I was known for being a healthy living cook. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, I'm going to have to change my, because I do say, oh, I'm a serial entrepreneur from Southern California. Oh, I know, I know. (laughs) But but I I, I say it because I don't know what the other word is because it's like omnipreneur. Like I'm an omnipreneur. I just made a multi-passionate entrepreneur to work. So, (laughs) well, because everybody says serial entrepreneur and there's a lot of different like, like little crevices with that. You know what I mean? Because like what you're saying, yeah, you've done a lot of things, but it's also like, but it's also because you're multi-passionate. You've done a lot of things. So by multi-passionate, I feel that exudes of multi-passionate that the businesses were all successful and you know what I mean? It's like, and then you make the choice of what you want to put your time. Exactly. Yeah. I broke up with it. It didn't break up with me. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So we are going to round this off. Do you have anything to say about imposter syndrome before we close out? Oh my gosh. You'll, you're always going to have it. You'll never outgrow it. People are always going to have, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for almost 21 years. And I still have that. I still look, why are people listening to me? Why are people yeah. reading my captions on Instagram? You're mm-hmm. always going to have that. So don't wait till you don't feel like you have imposter syndrome because you'll be waiting until you're literally six feet in the ground. Literally, exactly. Yeah. All right, so where can they find you? The easiest way to find everything else is just go follow me on Instagram or check me out on Instagram at, at Emily Fursella. The link in my bio has all my other stuff in it. Emily, thank you so much for coming on. It has been so much fun and such a pleasure. And ladies, um, again, check it out. If you want to see the footage, you can go inside the CEO platform and you can become a member there. And this is the first episode that I'll be announcing that the CEO Latina platform is going live in Spanish, identical to the English version. But if you have somebody that you know that that speaks Spanish only, that platform live. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Check it out. Thank you.
If you're new to my content and you want to tap into resources, workbooks, courses, masterminds, a community of like-minded women that can support you on your entrepreneurial journey, head on over to my website, rachelmedina.com and click any button you see that says she and it'll take you right on over there. In the meantime, if you're not doing so already, please follow me on social media at Rachel Medina 101. Let's go.